0: Welcome to Calvary Chapel of Columbia, where we're unpacking God's truths one verse at a time. And now here's Pastor Tim with today's message. Hey, guy, chapter two, and uh, we are nearing the end of this letter. This is the third of four messages that God is sending to the people of Israel after 70 years of captivity in Babylon. And here's what's interesting. I don't know if you guys know this, but because the, this group was the first exiles from Babylon to jerusalem back to the holy land these people would have been the zionists of the day right these are the people that the most passionate about israel they're the most passionate about jerusalem they're the most passionate about god restoring this land and all of that that's super important to understand when you move through this book because here's what happens two years into their exile back into the land of israel they lose focus these are the most passionate people out of Babylon and they have moved their way back into Jerusalem and they are passionate for God and yet somehow their priorities got mixed up and they started living for themselves. Why do I say that? Because that's exactly what can happen to us. You can be as passionate for Jesus as, you know, just about anyone, maybe the most passionate person uh, that, that you know around you about Jesus and yet you are not uh, you were still prone to get your priorities mixed up. It can happen. And here's what I want you to know. For 18 years, their priorities were mixed up. 18 years. Who wants to go 18 years without living for the Lord? Anybody? Anybody? Anybody, those will be the worst 18 years of your life. And these were, in fact, the worst 18 years of these people's lives. They were back in Jerusalem. They were excited about what God was doing, and yet they were not prospering at all. You can imagine what they were thinking. Lord, where are you? Lord, what are you doing? Why did you bring us back here and allow us? Or were they so preoccupied with themselves that they weren't asking any questions? That would be my guess, just like we can. 18 years long of a diversion of not living for the Lord. Listen, some of us don't have 18 years left. We don't have 18 more years to waste. So hear the word of the Lord this morning. And listen to what he's saying through the book of Haggai that he wants us to catch the fire that he's blowing upon these people and he wants us to be as passionate, as more passionate today than we ever have been in our lives. Will you stand with me and we're going to read Haggai chapter 2. Again, the third message. There are four specific messages God gives. Here is what the Lord says in Haggai chapter 2 beginning Verse 10. On the 24th day of the ninth month and the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Ask the priests about the law. If someone carries holy meat in the fold of his garment and touches with his fold bread or stew or wine or oil or any kind of food, does it become holy? The priests answered and said no. Then Haggai said, If someone who is unclean by contact with a dead body touches any of these... What does it, be, does it become unclean? The priest answered and said, It does become unclean. Then Haggai answered and said, So it is with this people and with this nation before me, declares the Lord. And so with every work of their hands and what they offer there is unclean. Now then, consider from this day onward before Stone was placed upon stone in the temple of the Lord. How did you fare? When one came to a heap of 20 measures, there were but 10. When one came to the wine vat to draw 50 measures, there were but 20. I struck you in all the products of your toil with blight and with mildew and with hail. Yet, listen, you did not turn to me, declares the Lord. Consider from this day forward... From the 24th day of the ninth month, since the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider, is the seed yet in the barn? Indeed, the vine, the the fig tree, the pomegranate, and the olive tree have yielded nothing. But from this day on, I will bless you. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for, Lord, just reminding us of our need To be surrendered to you always. To be walking in obedience to you and you alone, Lord. God, will you fan the flame of our heart this morning? Will you help us to reprioritize if we've been off track? Will you realign our hearts this morning with yours? Will you repurpose us, Lord? We thank you for what you're going to do in this place this morning. We ask your Holy Spirit to come and teach us, Lord. Speak directly to us. May our hearts be open to receive. And may we be willing to take the steps that you're calling us to this morning. Give us faith, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You could be seated. A little girl was taken to a hospital with a life-threatening disease. After the doctor examined her and realized that she wasn't going to make it, not really realizing the girl could hear him, he turned to his her mother and said, "Poor child, she has seen her best days." The little girl responded in a faint voice, "No, doctor, I haven't seen my best days. My best days are still to come, when I shall see the King in His glory." Those for those of us who are in Christ, we are blessed beyond measure. Amen. Listen, because we have, uh, what wh- because what we will experience in this life is the worst as it gets. You know that? This, for you, this is as bad as it will be. It will never be any worse than your best day on this earth. And yet you've not experienced yet what it will be like when you're in glory. When there is no struggle internally about what is right, what is wrong, what is God's will, what is my will. Am I doing this for me or am I doing this for the Lord? None of that will exist. Our best days are yet to come. God has promised us blessing beyond our wildest imagination in eternity with him. Paul said it like this in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. He said, "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. Are we blessed or are we blessed? We are incredibly blessed people. Oh, but I don't feel that way today. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't understand the suffering that I've been suffering. Listen, I don't have to know what you're going through. I know what I go through. I know that what you go and what I go through are similar that we all have sufferings that we walk through, but that does not negate the blessing that we have in Jesus Christ, folks. It does not negate it. In fact, there's going to be a point in time in eternity where Paul says this, where you weigh your sufferings and you weigh the eternal weight of glory and you say, whoa, this doesn't even translate. My sufferings were nothing in comparison to what I have in Christ. We are incredibly blessed people. For the Christian, the best is yet to come. For those who are outside of Christ, however, this is the best it gets. This is the best that it will ever get for you. For in eternity, the worst is yet to come. For those who are outside of Christ, but for the Christian, again, the best is yet to come. Somebody say amen. Come on. Let's go. We got to get up in this place, man. Come on. Listen. This is worthy of pondering. It's worthy of pondering because it's these kinds of things. It's this perspective that pushes us through the difficulties in our life. It's these kind of things. It's keeping our eyes on Jesus. To keep your eyes on Jesus means you keep an eternal perspective. You may not understand how God can work out the things that you're going through in this moment for your good. But what you know is that, listen, this is the worst it gets for me. And I know that the best is yet to come. Keep the eternal perspective. If you're in Christ, listen, you, this is the best. The best is yet to come. That's the title of my message this morning. And it is really ultimately what God is telling these exiles that are coming out of Babylon who, are, who have been in uh, Jerusalem for 20 years now. And he's telling them, listen, there is a blessing coming. There's a blessing coming, and yet, that blessing is kind of an interesting blessing because it is it is there's a requirement behind it. There's a requirement to be obedient to Him. And what He's going to do is He's going to remind them this morning about what their life was like for 18 years having come out of Babylon into Jerusalem and how for that 18 years they toiled and basically everything they did turned to nothing. They were never blessed by what they were doing. They were working hard and yet they were not fruitful some of us are like that today and it's not an issue of god's blessing is not upon you it's an issue that you're not walking in obedience to him you haven't turned your heart to the lord and you haven't said lord your will be done not my will your will be done that's why god was pleased with his son because his son continued to say your will be done That's what God wants to hear from us, Lord. What is your plan for me, Lord? Your will be done, not mine. I will follow you no matter where you call me to go. And it's in in that obedience that there's incredible blessing. We're not talking about salvation. We're talking about sanctification and blessing in the life of the Christian who follows the will of the Lord. That is what we're talking about here this morning. There's three different... Uh, sections that I've divided these passages up. First, we find the illustration. Then uh, we will look at the, um, if I get to it, the reminder and then the promise. So first, the illustration. Look with me at verse 10. It says, on the 24th day of the ninth month in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet. Thus says the Lord of hosts, ask the priests about the law. Now, this is like Two months after they started laying the foundation again for the temple, and they're at work. These guys are not idle. They're, they're, they're on task. They've turned their hearts to the Lord. Remember, last, the, just the verses right above that in the last section of chapter one, are uh, the last section of chapter two, actually, there they had turned their hearts to the Lord. They had responded to his word, and they were following the Lord. They had gotten back on task. And yet, two months later, The Lord sends them a word. He tells them, I want to illustrate something for you. Go in and ask the priests about the law. Ask the priests about the law. What is the purpose of the law? Listen, we don't have to make that answer up because it's in the Bible. It tells us exactly what the purpose of the law was. In fact, the apostle Paul uh, spoke about it in Galatians chapter three, verse twenty-four, and it says this: So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. I like the way that the New King James Version states it. It says, "Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might um, that we might not have that we might be justified by faith." So, the purpose of the law, listen, is to teach us about sin. That is the purpose of the law. Paul said in Romans chapter 7, verse 7, if if it had not said you shall not covet, I would have not, or if it had not been for the law, I would have not known sin. For I would have have known what it is to covet if the law had not said you shall not covet. That's the point. For us to understand what sin is, there has to be law. We have to understand. the, The Lord is painting the picture for us. He wants us to understand what sin is. That's why we have the law. God is revealing his standard and where we are and that we miss the mark. And so God asked Haggai to go to the priests uh, who are the ones versed in the law, and he asked them two specific questions, one about holiness and one about uncleanness. First, the question about holiness in verse 12. If someone carries holy meat in the fold of his garment and touches with his fold bread or stew or wine or oil or any kind of food, does it become holy? And the priests answered and said, no. This first question is relating to holiness. And basically what God is asking these priests is, can holiness be transferred? Can something that's holy touch me and I become holy? And the answer to that question is no. It cannot. You cannot take something that is holy, whether it be meat or anything else that is considered, uh, you know, uh, has been set aside to the service of the Lord, whatever that is, that's what it means to be holy, to be set apart. It's to be at, not for, used for common use. It's for the Lord alone. That's what it means to be holy. That's the primary definition. The other other definition also, secondarily, is it's speaking about moral purity. But primarily it's speaking about being separated for the Lord's use. This meat was not morally perfect. This meat was set apart for God's purpose. And what he's saying is that because it was set apart for God's purpose, it was holy. Now, if these priests touch somebody or it touches, uh, you know, another piece of another kind of food, uh, does that make it holy? No, it does not. Holiness cannot be transferred. Holiness cannot be transferred. You see, this is important for us to understand because some of us think that by what we do, we become holy. By where we go, we become holy. By the things that we touch, we become holy. By the people we surround ourselves with, we become holy. Not true. Not true. None of that will make you holy, folks coming to church is great you should do it it's in the bible we need to do it we need each other we need to give we need a place where we can give god all glory in front of man we want god to be lifted up and we want to be surrounded by brothers and sisters we want to impart some spiritual gift that we've been given so we want to be used in this context of this gathering but this will not make you holy this does nothing as it relates to your sin you are in the same standing as you were before you walked in this door. If you're in Christ, you're already holy. You're already set apart. You are, have already been uh, taken from common use and set it up for a specific purpose. You can grab your Bible and you can read it all day, every day, but this will not make you holy. It will not, in and of itself, by reading it, will not make you in right standing with God. You can know it and you should know it and it's, it's powerful and it's sharper than a two-edged sword, but it is possible to read the Bible and not allow it to penetrate your heart or change your life. It is possible to do it. It, it in and of itself does not have the capacity to, to change you if you don't want to be changed. And how do we know that? Because we do it all the time. The Lord says, go do this. You're, I ain't doing that. <laughs> no way I'm doing that. Are you crazy? Do you know who I am? I can't go tell people these things. They're going to think I'm crazy. You go send somebody else. You don't say that, but that's really what you're saying by not doing it. God, I don't want to defame my character. God, I don't want to make that kind of a name for myself. God, I don't want to be rejected, Whatever whatever the reason is. Ultimately, the Lord is telling us that there is no Midas touch as it relates to holiness. There is no Midas touch. You know, King Midas who said he was given the opportunity to you know, wish anything he wanted. He said, I want everything I touch to turn to gold. And everything he touched turned to gold. And you know what? The, the legend goes that he, he died of starvation. Holiness cannot be transferred. The Bible tells us that we are called, though, to be Holy. Peter reminds us be holy why because God is holy we're called to be a holy people Hebrews chapter 12 verse 14 says strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which um, for and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord you cannot come into the presence of God without being holy you have to be holy so how do we get our holiness how do we become holy it's by grace through faith folks By grace through faith. The grace of God, Jesus Christ. Putting your faith in Jesus Christ. It's His blood that cleanses us from all sin that makes us set apart for the Lord. That is the only way that you can become holy. It's not by what you do. It's not by what you say. It's not by who you hang out with. It's not by where you go. It's by who you know. It's by Jesus Christ and Him alone. The Jews had a problem with this. They did have a problem with this. These exiles that had come out of Babylon had a problem with this understanding. They thought because they were doing God's work that they were holy, that they were okay with God, that, that hey, we're working for you, Lord. We're laying the foundation of the temple. Look how good we are, Lord. Look what we're doing for you. Look how holy we are. This is your work, therefore it's holy, therefore we're holy. No, not the case. That's what he's telling them. You're not holy because you're doing my work. You're not holy through that. That's not the way you become holy. And in fact, it would be later, even in the days of Jesus, when he would walk in Jerusalem and there would be the Jews who were priding themselves on their holiness as a result of what they've done, as a result of where they go, as a result of who they've become in that life. And Jesus said, you're missing it, man. That temple right there is your heart and you need to have a relationship with me in order for you to be made right with God. It's through the blood of Christ. So he tells these guys, because you're touching temple stones that are holy and set apart for me doesn't mean you're holy. Secondly, what about uncleanness? Verse 13. Then Haggai said, if someone who is unclean by contact with a dead body touches any of these, does it become unclean? <laughs> the priest answered and said, it does become unclean. You touch something that's holy, you're not holy. You touch something that's unclean, you're unclean. That's the way it works. This second question that God is ask, asking Haggai to, to speak to these guys is relating to the transferability of uncleanness. It speaks about someone who is ceremonially unclean or being defiled by something that God has indicated as being unclean, such as touching a dead body. That would, you would be considered unclean unclean if you touched a dead body the priests answered this question with an astounding yes declaring that that unlike holiness uncleanness is transferable we know this to be the case we see this all the time with sickness right germs people get the bug and then when they touch you guess what you got the bug that's the way it works that's why we're like you stay away from me i don't want to be around you and people get mad at you if you go to work or you go anywhere in public. You're like, dude, you're running a fever. Get away from me. You know, and they, they, they treat you like Satan. But, but it's for good cause. They don't want to become unclean. Remember, there, there's, there's parts in the Bible where it talks about lepers. Lepers were unclean. They were, they, here's the thing. An uncleanness is deadness. It's deadness. And le- leprosy is deadness. It's, it's, a, it's a disease that kills the cells of your body. You just start to rot away. Your, the cells of your body just start to die. So as soon as you were, uh, you know, you got a patch on your arm or something, you had to go visit the priest, and the priest would tell you, do you have leprosy? Don't come here. I don't know anything about it, but I'm not a priest like that, so <laughs> you go see a doctor. But, um, but they go to the priest. They said, yeah, you have leprosy, and immediately they were banned. Immediately they were exiled into a place where lepers were. And be, why? Because leper that was considered unclean it was deadness god says if you touch deadness you will become unclean and isn't it interesting and when jesus was on earth and he saw the leper coming down the street when everybody else was scattering jesus said you come here you come here and in that moment that leper jesus touches that leper and he's made clean he is made clean See, the only way that you can be made clean, folks, is through the touch of Jesus Christ. We all have leprosy. We're all dead. Therefore, what we touch is deadness. Listen, you can serve on the worship team. You can teach Bible studies. You can do all that stuff and still be dead and still be unclean. There's pastors that come to Christ all the time. They're teaching their message, and they're like, does anybody want to accept Christ? And they're like, I do. They preach to themselves. And praise the Lord for that. God is faithful to reveal uncleanness. Why? Because he wants us to be clean. He wants us to come to Christ. He wants us to be washed by the regeneration of Jesus in his blood. He wants us to be clean. He's telling us that spiritual uncleanness, physical uncleanness is transferable. He's talking about the reality. There are those spiritually that say, you know, they have this view that, the, that original sin wasn't really, didn't transfer. And so we're, we're all born in the likeness of Adam when we're born, and so we're in that perfect state, and then we choose to do what we're going to do. Not the case. It's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that we were born under the curse. We were born into uncleanness. Why? Because Adam and Eve's uncleanness transferred down to us. We are unclean immediately when we're born. In the womb, you're unclean. And the Lord wants to do something about that. He has a remedy for physical uncleanness for the Jews. He wants to explain something to them. And so you can read this later in Numbers chapter 19, verses 11 through 22, but it it tells you if you touched a dead body, if you touched deadness in some way, and you became unclean, that you were to go and you were to um, separate yourself for seven days and go through a ceremonial washing to become clean. And if the person was not willing to do that, if they weren't willing to be, if they wanted to stay in their uncleanness, you were to totally exile them and banish them from your presence. Why? Because you would become unclean through them. The Lord is trying to cut off uncleanness. Listen, if you're if you've touched something dead this week, you need to be washed. Sin is produces death if you've touched something that represents death this week you need to be washed as a christian you need to be washed through repentance that's how we as christians become washed we become saved through belief in christ and what he's done but there needs to be that continual repentance in our hearts we just talked about this in youth group this last week we're in first john 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if you confess your sins, God is faithful to forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Now let me ask you a question. I'll ask the kids. What cleanses you from all your unrighteousness? His blood. His blood, not your confession. Your confession restores your fellowship with God But your confession does not save you. It's the blood of Christ that washes you, that saves you. If it was confession, all we would have to do is confess. We wouldn't need a crucified Savior on a cross. What he's saying in that passage, he's speaking to Christians, he's saying if you want to be restored in right fellowship with the Father, you must repent of your sins. You need to be washed. He's faithful to forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. What role does repentance play in the life of a believer? A big role. A huge role. Listen, if you haven't repented, if there's stuff that's been in your life that you've just moved on past and you have not said, Lord, I need to confess this to you. I have failed you in this way and I want to be washed this morning. I want to be restored. You need to do that today because your fellowship with God is being affected. Your relationship with God is being affected by that thing, and we're going to see here that maybe that's why you're dealing with the things that you're dealing with in your life. I'm not saying that's the case. There is that just simple oppression that we have as Christians, but there's also the idea that if we're not in right standing with God, that he will not bless our life. He will not bless our life. Yes, he's a God of grace, and the fact that you get eternity is grace enough, but if you're not in right standing with God today and there's sin in your life, he's saying you've got to get rid of it. I will not allow you to move forward and I will not bless the things that you're doing with unconfessed sin in your life. Listen, this is a serious thing. It's a serious thing. Jesus, When the Father looked upon his son being hung on a cross because of our sin, he was saying this is a serious thing. And all he said to you is, all you have to do is confess and it's gone all you have to do is come to me in repentance all you have to do is recognize that what you're doing is 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 separating you from me sin separates you from god period you can be redeemed and still be separated in fellowship with god that's what he's saying if you confess your sins god is faithful and just to forgive your sins cleanse you from all unrighteousness are you unclean this morning the Lord has given you a remedy just like he gave these folks a remedy in Numbers chapter 19. It was pointing us to Jesus, folks. That ceremonial washing that we need is that, that washing of repentance that the Lord washes us again and makes us white as snow before him. Now, positionally, you already are forgiven. But again, practically on the horizontal, you are not in fellowship with God if you have sin in your life. And oh, by the way, 1 John chapter 1. If you say you're not a sinner, you lie. You lie. Who's a sinner in here? Come on. I made the kids do this. Only like three people raise their hand. I'm not a sinner. <laughs> oh, yeah. You, now you're even a, you're a liar too, by the way. No, I'm kidding. Uncleanness is transferable. We got our cleanness from Adam. The deadness that you experienced in your life is a result of Adam and the deadness that they are experiencing as a result of them being unclean before the Lord. Look at this. Look at what the Lord says. Now let me tell you why I illustrated it this way, he says in verse 14. And Haggai answered and said, So it is with this people and with this nation before me, declares the Lord, and so with every work of their hands and what they offer, listen, is unclean. What they're offering to God is unclean. Here's the reality. These folks were chosen people who resided in a holy land, rebuilding a holy temple of God, and yet they were unclean, thus making all that what they were doing a defilement before God. That's what he's saying. What you offer is unclean. These Israelites think that they're good people, that happen to do bad things. The reality is, they're bad people who occasionally do good things, and that's the case for every human being that has ever lived in this life. You're not a good person. I hate to tell you that. You might be better than the person next to you. You might be living at a higher level of morality than the person next door to you. But God's standard for perfection is, or for for Good is perfection. So we're not good people. And so the question isn't why, do, why, do, why does bad things happen to good people? The question is, is why does good things happen to bad people? That's the question. God is so gracious to us. He loves us so much. He has blessed us beyond what we could even imagine, and yet we want to focus on outside of that, and we want to tell God how he should do it. It's so sad. God is a good God, and he loves us even though we are not good people. And yet, he tells these people, I can still use you. Is that amazing? He's not trying to beat these guys up. Don't misunderstand what he's saying. This is two months into them being obedient to God. They're walking down the path that they're supposed to be walking. They're doing the right things, but here's the reality. God has to help them understand they're standing before him That he has to help them understand who they are prone to be. He's reminding them of something. And so, as we move on here, let's look at the reminder. Here's the result of all your good works, everything that you attempt to do before me. Look at verse 15. He says, Now then, consider from this day onward, before stone was placed upon stone in the temple of the Lord, how did you fare? Remember when you came into the land and you saw the pile of rubble and before you did anything, how did you fare? What was going on for that 18 years that you were living for yourselves? Here, let me tell you. When one came to a heap of 20 measures, but there were but 10, what is he saying? He's saying you had 20 measures of oil or 20 measures of grain or whatever it is, but it spoiled somehow and you only ended up with 10. Something happened to it, right? When one came to the wine vat and drew 50 measures, but there was only 20. There was just 50 in here yesterday. Why is there only 20 now? I should have gotten 50, but now I only have 20. What is going on here? Listen, I struck you and all the products of your toil with blight and with mildew and with hail. This is God's doing. He's saying, I am withholding blessing from your life. I'm hold, withholding blessing from your life. Why? Why is he doing it? He answers the question. To get them to turn to him. To get them to turn to him. What is he doing in your life? What is he telling you today? What is, he, is he saying, I need you to turn from this place, but you are not willing. You keep going down the same track. I keep telling you the same thing. Turn from this. Turn from this. Turn from this, and now you're experiencing negative circumstances. You're not. You don't have the hand of God on your life, and you're you're going. But I'm a Christian. I don't understand. You're not walking in obedience to the Lord, and He's trying to get you to understand that. You know what we call this? A spiritual spanking. We call it a spiritual spanking. The Lord is saying, "I need to get your attention." and he hits you on the backside. Some of us are like, I don't know what that was, but I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. Good luck with that. Hey, you know the definition of insanity. I don't even have to tell you. The Lord said, you would not turn from me. What is that? That is hard-heartedness. That is hard-heartedness. That is not, that is not surrender and submission to the will of God in your life. That's, I'm going to do it my way. Lord, I love you with all my heart, soul, strength, and mind. Just get out of my way. That's what we do. (laughs) Lord, help us exactly. He's reminding these guys, none of that caused you to turn to me. None of that caused you to turn your heart towards me. The negative circumstances, you know, That that goes to show you, by the way, that you know, oftentimes we say it takes bad things to get us to get our attention, right? It takes negative circumstances to get our attention. But this tells us that doesn't always work. Sometimes God, you have negative consequences in your life, you have negative circumstances in your life, and you still aren't turning. And the Lord's saying, "Gee, man, you are so hard-hearted. You're 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 the blockhead here, man. What are you doing?" Can't you see? I'm trying to get a hold of you. I just want to love you. I just want to love you. Will you look up to me? You know, he wants to. He is loving us in the moment. He's loving us in the moment, and yet he's saying, "I have something better for you. Something so much better." But you got to turn to me. He's reminding them of what will happen to them if they continue to to make their standing in who they are in their works if they think that they're being made holy by what they're doing you can't do you know the Bible this is a this is a great verse I love this verse Isaiah chapter 64 verse 6 you know the verse you want to know what your works look like before God that they look like polluted garments it says this we have all become like one who is unclean and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. That's literally saying that you, your good works are like a used menstrual rag before God. A used menstrual rag. He's trying to paint the picture that our works are nothing before him. They're negative. They don't, they don't put a deposit in your account. They deduct. Like it's not a credit to your account for what you're doing in your own self. Trying to find your own righteousness in that. The only way that you get credit in your account is when you're standing in Christ, you're walking in Christ, and doing the things that God told you to do. Isn't that crazy? He created the good works for us to walk in, but we get the credit. How does that work? That's grace. 100% grace. He's reminding them not to trust themselves to keep their eyes on Jesus, to keep their heart centered on Jesus. This is why. Verse 18. Consider from this day onward, from the 24th day of the ninth month since the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider, meditate on, think about this stuff. Don't just hear it and move past it. Camp on this thought consider this is the seed yet in the barn indeed the vine the, the fig tree the pomegranate and the olive tree yet yield have, yield have yielded nothing but from this day on i will bless you god is asking these guys to consider from this day onward. This 24th day of the ninth month, it's sometime mid-December-ish, late November-ish, that he's saying I want you to mark this on your calendar. I want you to take note of this day moving forward, what is going to happen in your life. You are going to be blessed. He's asking them to have faith. He's saying you can't see the blessing yet. He's saying that that the seed isn't yet in the barn. You haven't reaped the harvest yet. You don't have the fruit from the tree yet, but it's coming. I'm promising you that. I want you to mark this day, and I want you to consider it because in the days to come, you're going to see the seed in the barn. You're going to see the fruit from the tree, and I want you to look up and give me glory for it. I want you to be reminded that I promised you this, that I told you that I was going to bless your socks off, and I did. That's what he's telling these people, and that's what he's telling you. He's telling you this morning. There is a definitive line in your life where you choose to say, Lord, I'm stepping over this line. I've been in my own camp, but I'm stepping into your camp, and I want to do your will, and I want to be obedient to you, to your word, and I want to be obedient to, to your Holy Spirit in my life. And you are choosing to do this. And maybe God has sent all kinds of afflictions in your life to get you to this place. Maybe maybe he sent a speaker today to tell you that today is the day. Turn your heart to the Lord. Decide to follow Jesus, not just for eternity, but in the physical world as well. To really do his will here. To walk out his will. And if you do, If you do, you will be blessed. Who believes that? Do you believe that? Am I taking this out of context? Is this spiritualizing this text, that if you walk in obedience to God, that you will be blessed? No, I am not spiritualizing this. I'm not trying to apply something that applied to them and it applies to us because this is a principle that God has laid mandate through scripture. It's mandated through the scriptures. When you walk in obedience to God, you have the hand of God upon your life, and that is true blessing. I'm not promising you that you're going to pay your house off next week. I'm not promising you that the, your debts are going to go away, that you're not going to have sickness. None of that, because none of that ultimately matters. That is, not, that is not ultimate blessing. Sometimes our health is the blessing. Sometimes we got to get put on our back so that we can get closer to God. So that becomes the blessing. We look at things incorrectly. We have to get the right perspective. The little girl that was laying on her deathbed, when the doctor said, "These, her best days have already come, she's not going to make it. And she said, you're so wrong. You were so wrong, because my best days are yet to come. And that's what he's telling you. If you'll turn your heart to the Lord, If you truly sanctify yourself before him today, you say, Lord, I'm going to follow you with everything that I have. Mark your calendar. He will bless you. Things that you can't even imagine. There will be a depth of intimacy with God that you've never experienced in your life. And some of you need that this morning. The worship team is going to come forward and we're going to close. But I want to remind you of something. There is a there is the best is yet to come future-wise for us in eternity for sure. We're talking about heaven. We're talking about perfection. That is the best days to come. But I want to tell you that there is the best days yet to come here on earth for you if you will hear what the Lord's saying to you this morning. Some of us are pursuing the wrong thing. Some of us are pursuing things that are, are you know, the, the practical things of life, what we're going to eat, what we're going to drink, what we're going to wear. But do you know Jesus in his, in, in his uh, Olivet Discourse, or not the Olivet Discourse, in the Sermon on the Mound? How can I get those mixed up? But in his Sermon on the Mount, he said this. He said, don't worry about those things. The Gentiles worry about those things. The unbelievers worry about those things. You're God's people. You don't worry about those things. What do you worry about? Here's what he said. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Is that a promise? That's a promise. That's a promise of blessing. Here, here's what I want to tell you this morning is that, listen, I understand the rat race of having to make a living for your family so that you know what you're going to be able to eat you're going to be able to drink, what you're going to be able to wear, but here's the reality of it. Jesus said, if that becomes your primary focus in life, then you're missing it. You're missing something. You're missing something great. He said, if you will seek me first, if you will put my righteousness first, if you will pursue me above all things first, all these things will be added to you. Solomon, when he was asked by the Lord, how can I bless you, Solomon? What can I do for you? Solomon said, man, I can have anything, Lord. Solomon, you can have whatever you want. I'll give you anything. What do you want? Hmm. Lord, would you, would you just give me wisdom to be able to manage your people properly and, and and bless your people and be a good king and, and be a right representative of you. Will you just fill me with your understanding on this earth so that I can make right decisions? So that I can bless the people that I'm serving. Will you fill me with wisdom, God? I, I, I don't know. It doesn't say this in scripture. But I'm pretty sure in that moment, God goes, whoa. Whoa. Here's a guy that wants wants me first. He wants, he wants to He wants to serve me. He wants to do everything for me. You know, Solomon, because you you asked for that, you didn't ask something for yourself. You're going to be the richest man in the world, and I'm going to give you more power than any king has ever had. I am going to bless you beyond. Now, God didn't tell him what was going to happen until after he made his choice. Some of you are waiting for God to say, well, Lord, just show me the blessing and then I'll pursue that. That's not the way it works. He wants you to know this morning that when you choose him, it's the best decision you'll ever make. As a believer, you're going to heaven. Praise God for that. But God has something great for you here. He wants to do something amazing through your life here. Will you choose to follow him? Will you surrender your heart to him today and say, Lord, your will be done? Amen. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for just reminding us this morning. God that although we are unclean people, although that we have we have missed the mark even as believers. That you still love us. You never have never not loved us. When we live for our own selves, you still love us the same. Your love never changes for us. And yet the reminder for us is, Lord, that there's a blessing in our life that comes through being obedient to you. And so will you help us this morning to respond to your word and just to truly surrender our hearts to you, Lord. Will you come in this moment now, Lord, Will you draw us? As we continue to pray, if there's anyone here this morning that's not in right relationship with Jesus, you don't know for sure if you die today that you're going to go to heaven. The Lord wants to tell you that you can know that. You're unclean before him like we talked about. Therefore, everything that you do is unclean before him. It doesn't matter how many times you go to church. It doesn't matter how many Bible verses you say. If your heart is not completely washed by the blood of christ this morning then you're not in right relationship with him and he wants you to draw you this morning he's drawing you he's telling you come to me it's the grace of god that he's calling you this morning if that's what you will you just lift your hand up i want to pray a prayer with you you're not in right relationship with jesus and you're saying today's the day lord i want to be made right with you i want to go to heaven i want to know that i know that i know that i'm going to be there with you Lord, I can't say that my best days are, are yet to come. Is there anyone here this morning needs right relationship with Jesus? If you're online, if you're watching online right now, and that's you, the Lord wants to say to you, you can raise your hand too. He sees you. Come to Jesus this morning. Anyone at all, lift your hand up. I'll just say a prayer with you. God bless you. Is there anyone else? Today is the day of salvation. God wants to radically change your life. Father, for those that this morning have called upon your name and said, "Lord, I that's me." You see their heart. You see where they are. You love them so much and you're so proud that they would turn their heart to you. If that's you, you just say this prayer in your heart to the Lord. Father, I come in Jesus' name. And I thank you for forgiveness this morning. I thank you that I can be washed clean through the blood of Christ. My sins have stained me, Lord, but you washed me clean this morning. I believe in Jesus and His death on the cross for me personally. That He rose again from the dead for me personally. Lord, I'm turning my life over to him this morning. I am completely and totally leaving all behind. I'm choosing to seek first the kingdom of God, your righteousness, Lord. I crown you king of my life. Have your way in me. I receive you, Jesus, now. Thank you, Lord. All of heaven rejoices because of these that have come this morning and received Christ. Lord, this one more thing as we close, Lord. I just want to give an opportunity for those this morning that this message resonates with, that you have been off track, and the Lord is saying that today is the day of renewing. Confession of sin, repentance of sin, turning your heart to Jesus and saying, no longer am I going to pursue things for myself, Lord, but I'm going to pursue things for you. If that's you this morning, you just lift your hand. I want to pray a prayer over you this morning. God bless you. Anyone else? Renewal. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. Lord, I'm just going to turn my heart back to you, and I'm going to mark this day. Anyone else? God bless you. Lord, thank you for those who have lifted their hands to you this morning that have said, Lord, today is the day. From this day onward, Lord, I'm going to serve you. I choose to serve you. I want to be in obedience to your word. I want to do your will, Lord. Thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit in our lives. Father, whatever has hindered us from doing that this morning, we repent of, we confess to you this morning. We ask you to cleanse us now. Lord, restore the joy of our salvation fill us with the power to walk in your will this morning we pray in jesus name and father for everyone else here this morning have your way thank you lord for what you do in our lives we love you we praise you in jesus name thanks for listening you can hear more of pastor tim's studies through the word of god on our website www.calvaryofcolumbia.org thanks again for listening and we hope you'll join us again as we continue to study god's word